Hello, this is the Karate Farm Report from Omaha, Nebraska, from Crotmo down in Little Italy in my hometown of Omaha, where I, uh, I could get sued if I say this, but I'm a mutant of Omaha, Nebraska, lived all over the world, but returned here. And uh, if, you, if anybody's familiar with Nebraska, they're familiar with the absolute insane obsession with Nebraska football. It's the main thing we have here. Of course, we now have a great uh, women's volleyball team. But uh, go Big Red, anybody grew up here, it drives some people nuts, but it is the obsession of the state. And um, this week is, uh, normally as you guys hear me talk a lot about politics and culture, and I guess you'd think that sports, especially in a state like Nebraska, is part of culture. Uh, there's a kind of bipolarity to Nebraskans. If Nebraskans are doing bad, badly on the, on the gridiron, uh, the mood of the state is particularly uh, depressed, I would say. We're kind of manic depressive when it comes to this team. And so um, this is a big game coming up for Nebraska. We, we, of course, have gone through cycles here over the last 20 some years uh, since the glory days in Nebraska football in the 90s. Uh, and of course, the previous glory days under Bob Devaney uh, in the early 70s. But the mid 90s was the sort of crescendo of, of Husker greatness. And um, this week, <laughs> After our, another close loss last week, which has uh, become our forte. I don't know what the exact figure is, but we have lost so many close games under a touchdown or less. If if it's a, if we're if we're ahead by a touchdown or less, or the game is tied, or we're on a, we're on the chance for a winning score uh, in the last few minutes of a football game, it's uncanny that how Nebraska will find a way to lose that game. Uh, and we could talk a little bit about that, but. On the, on, uh, the reason today's call is so important is because tomorrow at an ungodly early hour for me, um, the Nebraska Cornhuskers will play their old longtime rival when we were in the Big 12, the Colorado Buffaloes. And um, normally, you know, given the track record recently of the Buffs, the you know, like one and 11 last year, I think, uh, even, even in Nebraska's sorry state, people would probably predict us to win. However, uh, Colorado took a big risk and hired uh, Deion Sanders, a.k.a. Prime, to lead uh, to lead the Buffaloes. And in this offseason, uh, Deion Sanders has completely revolutionized college football, taking advantage of uh, rules that allow easy transfer through the portal. Um, and he basically completely revamped the roster. I, I don't know exactly how many new players, but it's in the 60s, I think. He brought in a bunch of new players, and the gentleman on the calls on this call will correct me. But um, basically, he has created a um, tremendous football team uh, through the transfer portal, including his son and uh, probably the best two-way player we've seen in in at least twenty years. So um, that's the uh, that's the opening. But um, what makes this particular game interesting is the fact that there are more bets being placed on Colorado, Nebraska. Then on all the NFL games this week combined, okay, that's an insane statistic. And on top of it, 90% of those bets are on Colorado. So there's a ton of action on this game, which makes it, um, I think, a high level of fan interest. And so I, you don't want me, an amateur, uh, I don't even, not even really a gambler. I did gamble early on. Let me just, full, full disclosure, in my mid-teens, I would pick up the bookie sheets from Graybo's 
on Dodge in Omaha and distribute them at Crate and Prep. If you want to bust me for that now, fine. But that, and then my dad and his, and, his, and Lou, one of my guests will explain my father to you maybe a little bit, but uh, one day my dad in his uh, understated way came up to me and he said, you know, Jim, I've never been a fan of gambling. And that sort of was the uh, the clue, like, I better not be doing this anymore. So that introduces, that brings me to my first guest, which is uh, an old, old friend of mine, Lou Finicaro. He uh, He's AKA known as Gamb Lou. You can follow him on Twitter at G-A-M-B-L-O-U. And Lou and I go way back to Christ the King grade school here in Omaha and then Creighton Prep. Uh, Lou made his mark in, in, in uh, Arizona commercial real estate, even advised me on some LA real estate. And, but his big, big victory, big win in life was marrying the uh, manager of the Omaha Country Club, where my uh, father, Dr. Richard Crotty, a.k.a. Dakota Slim, and Dr. Randy Drahota, uh, my personal dentist, and the Oracle of Omaha were all members. And Lou um, has become a world-class uh, prognosticator, and uh, you can sign up for, uh, you know, you can be a paid, I think an unpaid uh, reader of, of his work at Gamblu. Um, but Lou was a great football player, great athlete. So I always say that Lou roughed up uh, Bellevue, Omaha, and Lincoln area teams on Friday night, the Friday night lights. And then on Saturday, Michael, Lindsay, and I uh, had, uh, would rough them up in the debate round. So it was kind of like Lou's physical sports and I'm academic sports. Um, and over the last few decades, as media has kind of gone asymmetrical with podcasts, you know, vod, vlog, vlogging, you know, blogging. Um, and Lou's been right there at the forefront of it. Uh, obviously, I started the Carter Film Report in the early 2000s, actually in the 1990s, and some in the and some of my early uh, Burning Man live broadcast things. But um, Lou's been really making it making it work, and I'm really uh, proud to have him on the show. Um, and uh, just before we start, Lou Lou's um, approach to Gamble is very, I think, very smart as an investor. Uh, he focuses on some core competencies in the realm of the sports gambling. You could be, you know, you could be all things, all people, or actually know some things very well. So he's focused on the UFC, on the NFL, on NHL, um, the Stanley Cup playoff tournaments and tournament, and as well as the College World Series, which occurs just a few blocks from where the Crotty Farm Report and the Crotty is based. So, Lou, um, I'm going to head back to the CWS with you this year. Uh, did I miss anything? And uh, fill in any blanks, and then let's talk a little bit about this game. Well, first, uh, James, thanks for having me on. That was a great introduction. I'm proud of my Omaha roots. Uh, I think it gives me great perspective to speak about our subject matter. I, too, am a podcaster. I do a podcast called The Bout Business Podcast. It dropped today. Every week there's a UFC card. There's a Bout Business Podcast. And for Omahans, this will be easy to understand because when you grow up in Omaha, your business mentor is Mr. Buffett and everything he says and everything he does is a business template. I simply took Buffett's ideas, applied them to a little bit different market, sports betting, but I, I use his approach to business in every way, shape and form. He, you've asked uh, Mr. Buffett, hey, if I gave you 100 stocks, how well would you do? He'd say I'd probably be right on about 45 of them. That's not what he does. He doesn't shoot with a, with a shotgun. He shoots singularly with a rifle. So that's why I narrow my focus to increase my expertise, 
by working just a, a few sports. That said, every contrarian move, if you watch Buffett's quotes, all of those that he applies to business can be applied to sports gaming. And I'm simply a mimic of him in the sports gaming world. So everything I do is publicly recorded. Nothing I do costs any money. It's all free for the public. We record every result. We record the ROI and we allow the people to try. I try and teach people not only how to gamble, but how to look at sports in a profitable way. And that's really what Gamblu does, Jim. Awesome. So give me three things, like three takeaways that the new gambler or the advanced gambler, um, you know, I always tell, let me just give you talk about this before we go to David, I, by way of analogy, um, I've been new to sort of uh, investing since uh, maybe 2007, I started investing and everything you just said applies. I mean, I've had like 90 wrong picks, but the 10, you know, in terms of stocks, but the 10 I've been right on, I'm really right on. And so I, I, uh, I test, I test out things, you know, I do in investing, as you know, there's dollar cost averaging. And so I don't just pour a ton of money on in one stock on one day. I, I test it out, you know, a little bit. And if it, if it starts to, you know, you always want to see how a stock, just like a team, I think responds to certain conditions, how it does when the market goes down, how it does when the market goes way up, uh, et cetera, et cetera. So, um, I'm completely in alignment with your concept that, you know, it's not about getting everyone right. It's not even about getting most of them right. It's just making sure you're putting the, the right money at the right time for the right pick. So tell me three things, three principles that um, that you think have been consistently helpful to you. The three fulcrums that I base my business on, first is due diligence. So you have to study. The second one is selectivity. And so I really believe that I can manipulate my win percentage, not by betting a ton of bets, but by betting a select few. Again, shooting with a rifle, not a shotgun. And then finally, money management. It, it, it's as important to maximize profit on a hot run as it is to minimize loss on a cold run and you're gonna have cold runs and that's all direct Warren Buffett sage knowledge, mm -hmm. it's not mine. Right, 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 exactly. Give me some of your recent successes. I mean, the one analogy, I know you're an, you really are a respected expert, expert in MMA and or what you call, what is called UFC. Um, walk me through just your thinking on a recent successful bet so people can understand by way of example. If that, if that puts you on the spot, you don't have to. It, it, it doesn't. It, it, there's a lot of successful, but I'll keep it to this football and in, in this Colorado take. Okay. So right. um, I, I work pro football, no college football, but I'm from Nebraska. And as Nebraska has been eating dirt for 25 years, I, I'm finally happy that they've, uh, the myopic fans there have had their fair share of humble pie, and I like rule. And so I'm ready to turn and support the Huskers. And so I watched them against their in their game against Minnesota. It was a difficult game for me to watch because, in my opinion, the Minnesota quarterback was uh, – 
a quarterback that doesn't belong in major college football and and the, the Huskers, they have their own issues. And yeah, you can look at, oh, the Huskers, they always lose these close games. But in rules, first game, in a game away from home against a foe in Minnesota that was favored by seven, they played him down to tooth and nail and lost at the last play. While the folks in Nebraska are oh shucksing over that, I'm saying Rule's got himself a team here. He's mm -hmm. on his way, but he needs more talent. He mm -hmm. needs more evolution. So I'm watching Dion on the interviews, and I, I understand completely – I, I've always been a Dion fan. The The guy is rooted in the Lord, and he's a natural football player. Not only that, what he speaks, these kids listen to. Mm -hmm. At Jackson State, these kids loved him. Mm -hmm. So now Jackson State puts him in a position where Colorado, a perennial loser for 20 years, none of the kids 22 years old even remember Colorado as a national uh, championship winning yeah. teams. So you and I do. <laughs> we remember Westbrook. We remember Westbrook and uh, and Cordell well, Stewart, and we remember the Nebraska, Nebraska fans remember that. Right, right. Okay, but the Colorado fans never had a winner. So now right. Dion slingshots himself with the portal into Colorado, a team that needs to transform itself. And Dion picked Colorado because he can recruit, recruit there. He, he wasn't going to go to Lincoln ever. Why? Because no kid from Miami or L.A. wants to take a flight to Lincoln, drive 50 miles in January down to Lincoln. I'm telling you, it's a tough recruiting job in Nebraska. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, at Boulder, Dion is simply – building the best feeder into the NFL that college football has ever known. The rules have allowed him to do it. He's made no qualms about that's what he's doing when he interviews his players. If they don't have ambitions for the NFL, they don't go to Colorado. Simple as that. What he's been able to do in short time has been amazing. And those that are stubborn, meaning those that believe Colorado was modeled correctly at the beginning of the season and believe that this three points is correct for the game tomorrow, I think are making a pretty big mistake. Interesting. So I'm going to hold those thoughts because basically you're, I think you're, you're making an excellent point, which I think for me watching this as a, as an amateur, um, that Dion has understood something that a lot of people don't understand. And it's a very basic thing. If you don't have the horses, you can't win. Like people, you know, we have these great traditions in, Amer in, in Nebraska, walk-ons. And we have a lot of beautiful things about the Nebraska program, which is, you know, we, we're, the, we're the team that invented the, you know, the importance of a weight, great weight room. We have a lot of money in the program, a lot of great support infrastructure. But in this new era where kids can transfer one year after another, I mean, it becomes like the NFL draft every year. And, and that's going to change the nature of the game. So the difference, though, and I and I'm, we'll talk about this, is college is a little bit different than the pros. It, it does come down to the horses. Obviously, injuries affect any sport. So if, you had, if you've got an injured quarterback in the pros, as complicated as the game is, it is going to affect your team. It's it's kind of hard to compensate for that or your star wide receiver or your star lineman, whatever. Like injuries affect things, but 
but and 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 definitely it's been underrated in the in the in, a, in the NFL game how important um, you know emotions are or deep caring deep deep kind of the rah rah nature of of high of college people say well it is really just um, business but it does play a role but it really plays a role in college so you may not have the best horses but sometimes you can win the game and 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 so we'll get into that in a bit but yes those are good points let me introduce the second guest really quickly this is da- he goes by david kurtson c u r t s o n um his actual real name is different but i think david you probably want me to keep using the um your nom de plume that uh that you operate under for many years uh david is actually a person i've only met through the the, the world wide web you know through facebook etc um but he um made a ton of money on wall street very successful investor retired 10 years before me at age 52 and um and pursued then uh, as a business uh what started as a hobby was a focus on um in investing in sports. So uh, he's handicapped football recreationally for 45 years and professionally. Uh, so after retiring from Wall Street in 2006, David um, went full time, focused on um, developing a proprietary model for gambling that he calls HIT, H-I-T, or um, which predicts to a decimal point the score of every college and NFL game each week, which is kind of an incredible system when you think about it. So it blends H, uh, handicappers, the forecasts of handicappers um, who publish their 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 picks for the public. And the I is insiders or quote unquote Vegas sharps who do not publish their picks. And then technicians uh, basically are using computer models, most of, which are, most of which are available to the public. And he had a, he has the Vegas football letter. He doesn't publish it anymore, but I think you still find, um, well, you can find him on, on Twitter and he's happy to give you his picks. I kind of look at David as um, the real clear politics, which I go to for insight on politics as a sport. Um, he's the real clear politics of, of gambling because RCP or real clear politics takes an aggregation of all polls to come up with predictions. Um, obviously, there's other political sites like Predicted where you can bet on various uh, scenarios related to politics. But David kind of takes all the information, aggregates it, and comes up with a score. Did I cover that pretty well, David, or do you want to add anything? Yeah, so that's accurate, and I like your analogy with real clear politics. Um, I'm, I'm very humble about my ability to do enough primary research on enough games uh, to make a living at this. I mean, they're just, there are so many people with paid staff or watching film and pouring over statistics and going over and over again to come up with their predictions that, you know, I'm basically letting those people do the work for me, but I'm consulting enough of them and enough of them that have a, a track record, either they're publishing and they've been able to stay in business for enough years or they're out here in Vegas, they're doing this for a living and they've been able to survive without going broke. Um, or, you know, for people use their models, sometimes even use their models and things like, you know, the old uh, BCS rankings and so on. So, so, I mean, people that, that, that know what they're doing, and if I can get all their numbers together, and then what I do is I'll, that sort of gives me basically an average. Uh, and if that varies significantly from either the spread or the total, that's when I get interested. And in terms of deciding what I'm actually going to bet on, obviously don't bet all these games. Um, but I, I, I start uh, by, by seeing where discrepancies are between what a bunch of really smart people and models uh, think would be the likely outcome. And what different than the public line, which is the average of all 
the monetary action of all the betters, smart and dumb in the system. And, uh, you know, I uh, then kind of turn it over to my eyeball test. I watch a lot. I don't know a lot. I can't, you know, can't see as much as these people do, but I watch a ton of football and I have an eyeball test. I have gut feelings. So if it's telling me, you know, to bet on this, I say, dad, that seems right based on what I've been watching this season or last season. And uh, so I'll sort of go with those and I prioritize them and bet different amounts on different games, depending on conviction. But that's what I do. Very cool, man. So before we get back to Lou and have you guys kind of exchange thoughts on, on broadly macro things related to gambling and also to the specific game we're talking about, you know, what's interesting in what you're saying is it is kind of Warren Buffett-esque, your approach, because the whole, you know, he's, he was taught by Ben Graham back at the, you know, Columbia uh, School of Business. And, you know, some of the geekiest Omaha investors read Ben Graham's uh, works. But basically the whole model is trying to find price discrepancies where the, where the you know, the Joe investor, Joe Blow investor does not, has not done enough due diligence to understand that, you know, it's a hidden gem that, that they're not understanding what's at play here. You know, it's kind of like saying, well, we could go to the NFL analogy of Joe Burrow. You know, what is the value of Joe Burrow being healthy to the Cincinnati Bengals? I mean, maybe that's being underrated by investors. I'm just sharing that as an example. I'm not sure, but as an analogy, but like what is being undervalued here by the average investor? So um, let's hold that thought because of the, the the line is about three, three and a half right now. And we can debate whether uh, that's an insane uh, line or not. But what's interesting, what you said also, David, is this notion of big data. So I, I want to start with this notion with the two of you, the, the inability of an individual person to have the funds to accumulate all the data that will go into determining a pick, right? That's really hard, right? That's hard when you don't have those kind of resources. And now you're up against large corporate interests who have those resources. So how is the inherent problem of uh, big data and now encroach, encroachingly artificial intelligence um, affecting uh, your ability to find a pick when there's others who have so much more data they can they can crunch well it, it's i mean it, the analogy to the stock market is uh is quite right and by the way i managed mutual fund for six years and i think it'd be kind if you don't mention me in the same sentence as warren buffett ever again <laughs> okay um, fair enough <laughs> you know. I have I had a decent uh, track record, but mm -hmm. uh, you know, <laughs> let's be serious here. But no, honestly, the two things that they have in common is these are real efficient markets. Um, you mm -hmm. know, uh, enormous amount of efficiency in the stock market, as you know, whether or not you're a pure, uh, you know, believer in uh, efficient markets or believe they can be beat, as your your as your fellow Omaha man. Uh, has been able to do, uh, but the, uh, the 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 lines are set by you know a lot of people with a lot of information with voting with their dollars until an equilibrium price is set, and it's presumably highly efficient. And you know, since the the the, the bookies and the sports books are going to take their ten percent off of all the losses, uh, really hard to get over the fifty two point four percent that you need. Uh, beating this very efficient market on any kind of regular basis. I just yeah. got to be honest. That's very interesting because uh, that's actually Buffett's view um, of the efficient market hypothesis, which of course applies to sports markets as it does to any other market, which is the benchmark in this analogy um, 
the SPY, which covers all the S&P 500 stocks, it, most people, if they just bought the SPY, would do better over the long term um, than any, and then trying to even hire the best possible individual stock picker who do well over short periods of time. They do better than the benchmark over, let's say, 10 years, five years, one year, maybe even 20 years. But Famine and French were these economists out of the University of Chicago who looked at all the best the returns of the best investors of all time and compared it against the benchmark and said, once you factored in the fees that the individual uh, financial uh, investors uh, took from clients, uh, you would have been better off buying the benchmark. So the market in, in stocks as well as sports is efficient. And the efficiency in the in the gambling world is that the stock pickers, them, the uh, people who set the lines, are are like the equivalent to the spy. Would that be the analogy, David? Well, yeah, but where the analogy breaks down is the stock market has the underlying basis of, of real economic growth driving a long term upward trend, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's you know you you can buy an index, an average, and you'll make money. Uh, here we have a zero sum game with, with 5% taken out, um, by the bookies. So you have a negative expectation game that you, if it is truly efficient, you know, you, you won't be despite there, you can't create an index of football teams to bet, to bet on and make money. Yeah. But there's an analogy though, to hedge funds in the sense that they sometimes take two and 20 so there is a bunch of money coming out from managing things. I mean, it's not quite the same, but there is some similarity in the vig that this casino takes and also people who are managing money. But we don't want to push that analogy too far. I think the point being that you have to be really, really good to outsmart the, 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 the efficient market of gambling odds. Correct. That would be a, that would be a fair conclusion. Right, David? Well, one is designed to make money over time. The other is designed to lose money on a continual basis. <laughs> Fair <laughs> enough. Know, the game, okay. The, games, the picking game is about the same, but the uh, expected result is different. You clearly do the sports betting for entertainment purposes. Right. So it's really hard. Um, so so you've had, but you had, nevertheless, with the odds stocked against you more in sports gambling versus Wall Street, um, although people will argue that Wall Street is pretty stacked against you too, because it's you've got the same problem. You don't have insider knowledge. You don't have the big data. You have a lot of things against you as an individual investor. Still, um, uh, there's ways to win. And so I want you, Lou, you start on this. Like what, given what we just talked about with David, how is it then that an individual investor can still profit given this, uh, that he has to bid this 52.4 or five, uh, he has to get above a 52.4% return. Uh, how, how does he do that? One does that by putting in the proper due diligence, by being very selective and by managing money to the penny. The three fulcrums I mentioned earlier. Okay. Specifically in the NFL, you know, I've been doing this now since I, we were in high school. And uh, back then I was a square. And now uh, my processes have become a little bit more refined. And and I do use a I do have a process. Uh, it's very different than David's process. I, I actually I, I, I go deep into the team's depth charts. Uh, you know, I uh, specifically 
just try and understand the game. I, I, I came from a huddle. So from 1967 to 1993, I spent time in huddles. I think that brings a tremendous amount of understanding, especially in the subject matter today, Colorado versus Nebraska. But in picking winners in the NFL, it, it sounds glamorous, uh, but in order to beat that 52.3, uh, it's a lot of real hard work. I can I can tell you last year, um, my percentage was about 58.2. I ran at a 20% ROI and had uh, had a sensational season because I had Kansas City to win the Super Bowl at about the Thanksgiving period. They were priced at six to one or so. So that season was great, but that's a rear view mirror now. We're into 2023 and I'm driving down the street looking through the windshield and it's what have you done for me lately? Correct. So this is so important and and, uh, it leads to the Colorado discussion because what I'm getting from David is David you're not, a, I mean, I wouldn't say you're a macro investor, but you're taking in a ton of macro data uh, from various sources and coming up and then using your gut instinct, which people ask me, well, what's your model, Jim? How, how have you been successful investing? Like if you do something for 15 years and you've reached your 10,000 hour level of incompetence, incompetence, maybe in my case, the Peter principle, but you've reached your, te- you've reached your level of competence, right? Um you know, it is exactly that. You put in the time, your level of confidence confidence has been reached. And then a lot of it is just kind of intuition. You do the fundamental research, but you have a gut instinct about things. So I want you to talk a little bit more about that, Lou. You've been in the huddle. You've been on football teams. You know about psychology and motivation and, and how a history of losing can affect the team. So as a person who's been in the huddle, uh, tell me what Beside, tell me on a granular level what you're seeing with Nebraska, Colorado, and then discuss a little bit about this sort of your direct experience of a game and, and what you see happening in this Colorado, Nebraska game. Okay, I'll answer that, but I just want to say while I've been in the huddle and, and while I feel like I have a real good uh, impression on all the intuition of the game, I still do the brass tacks. My power ratings are my power ratings. I share them with the guys that make book in Vegas to pound them out. So the logical is underlying the gut. You cannot have one without the other, I don't believe. Uh, as far as how that works to Colorado and Nebraska, um, I, I, th- I think we just have a perfect storm here. And me being the perfect contrarian better, when you look at 89% of the bets on Colorado, 88%, of, 90% of the money on Colorado, we got to understand that we're talking now, it's Friday afternoon. The public hasn't really gotten involved with Colorado yet. Yeah, to, to a, a small extent, but everybody betting up until now are professionals. And you're seeing a lot of Colorado money. And on my screen, that that number opened now a week ago before they played their first game, Colorado and Nebraska. Nebraska was a seven-point favorite. Now, Colorado is a three, two-and-a-half-point favorite. And I can tell – uh, that there's there's some wise guy action on Nebraska, and rightfully so. And normally, I would be one of the wise guys on Nebraska, but there are gut feel dynamics, if I may borrow some 
terminology from David that forced me to understand this game in a different light, James. So explain that to me a bit, because to me, this is exactly the setup I love with the stock. I would, yes. this is a dream scenario when 90% yes. of the people are on one side of the bed, you know, it's it's especially when there's I really like it actually in a different way when let's say 34 to 30 to 40 percent short interest in a stock that is these people are betting the stock to go down I love that because you can get what is called a short covering rally the shorts have to cover their bets and it can get away from them and suddenly you get these insane bounces obviously you can't do that in a football game unless I don't understand it fully maybe there's a way to bet a game you can't but I love when things are this imbalanced, which is weird to me because wouldn't that cause the the odds? I mean, why is that not causing the the spread to change dramatically? It has changed from seven to negative seven to plus three. I get that, but why wouldn't it even go higher? I don't get that. Because they're they're hovering around a very important number in football, which is three more important in the NFL than college. But that number is right on three. And so you got a bunch of people that are taking Colorado uh, plus, let's say they're they're taking Colorado on the money line or they're taking Colorado minus two and a half like I did when it opened, okay? They're afraid that if they move that line up and they're going to have to, if, if the bets come in all on Colorado between now and tomorrow, which they will, they're going to have to move the line up. Now they're going to be stubborn and they're not going to want to move that line too much because they don't want to get middled. They don't want to have people have a Colorado minus two and a half and then come back and have people take Nebraska plus six or seven where they would potentially lose both. Meaning I got a, a, a position where I have a four point middle where I could win both. And if I lose, I only lose the vigorish on one side or the other. Right. Now, they try and protect against that. In this case, I think that's a fool's errand because I, I, it's my opinion that you can never be stubborn in this game. And the bookmakers in trying to protect themselves from the middle are going to be forced to be hesitant to move this line, I believe. And that stubbornness, I believe, is going to cost them a lot of money. So then before we go to David on this, the key thing here, and you can work on this, David, too, is I'm always I've always been taught that the best if you're running a casino, you're running a sports book, you want you want an equal number of of of, of uh, on e you want people on each side. Don't you want half Nebraska betters and half Colorado takers? Doesn't that serve you better? By the, Dude, by, what, the by the rules, yes, it doesn't work that way. But but yes, they don't they don't really want to gamble. But I mean, if they do, then they won't they won't do anything. But usually, uh, the actuaries or whoever David can answer this better. The guys in the back room they don't want a lot of risk, so that's why they'll move the number. Okay, right. but this this fight is gonna be well. We thought Colorado was this a week ago. And now we think they're this. And the, and really, it, it's the eyeball test. To me, I think it's John Q. Fan that saw Nebraska play against Minnesota, then saw Colorado play against TCU. And it's, it's those $11 bets that are going to overwhelm the market tomorrow. So you would take then the bet. The, you're, if that happens and they're forced to push the odds up to, say, four, maybe not the extreme you said of six, let's say they put it up to three and a half or to four. Uh, does that change your view of the game at all? 
No, it's my belief that this, listen, this is a feeder program for the NFL that's long on talent, has the best, best coaching staff in the history of college football. They're playing at home in altitude against a team that is as well coached, but nowhere near the talent level. This is a 32-16 game, and in my opinion, and I also believe that after this, there will be less hard-headedness by those behind the desk, by the bookmakers, and they'll have to be forced to grade Colorado on a different scale. They'll very become good. believers. They're not believers now. I see. Very, very interesting points by Lou. David, what do you have to say to that? That is fascinating. Go on. I, I agree with an awful lot of it. Um, what's interesting is my model doesn't agree with it. Um, you know, there are times I look at my model and I say, well, <laughs> I don't like what it's telling me. Um, I have a hit score and it says Nebraska 30.2, Colorado 23.4. Um, you know, so there's a nice touchdown win or 10 points more than the spread. Uh, you know, I just think there's a lot of garbage in, uh, with the hit score on this particular game. Um, uh, just, just one example, just one example. I mean, there's a, there's a little bias towards using some of last year's stuff when it's early in the season, because that's a lot of what the data that these guys, these handicappers use the models use it, the models that they use, use it, the computer models use it. So there's a lot of sort of probably pretty irrelevant ancient history, uh, going back to next year, since so much has changed at the programs, especially Colorado, uh, Colorado now is anything like any of your 2000 and you know, and 22 data shows you for Colorado. And I'm afraid that's in this thing, uh, that score. But also uh, one thing that, 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 that I found is a very powerful angle and it's built into a lot of the stuff I use in the first one, two weeks of the season, especially the first week. Um, returning starters was always a big, powerful angle. The team with the most returning starters had an edge over a team that had significantly fewer than people that had more people they had to replace. With the transfer window having rules being completely changed and the way that coach prime has built this Colorado program got nothing to do on the positive side with returning starters Hell, returning starters. He could have had some returning starters. He told them all to leave school and bring in his own recruits to the transfer portal. So, you know, the, 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 the returning starters were nothing but a negative as far as coach Sanders was concerned in Colorado. Uh, I don't think the model understands that. Um, and so I just think there's just a, a, it's a lot of noise in that number and I'm not, I'm just not going to use it. Interesting. So this is an interesting conundrum for you, especially early in the season when you're using old numbers that are not relevant, especially in this peculiar context of, I don't know, I think it was the most transfers in the history of college football for Colorado this year. So your analysis is correct. So you're now this is an interesting point. So you're put in this place where, your machine learning is contradicting your human intuition. And how do you resolve that? Well, I, probably the thing to do is not to bet the game. Uh, and you don't have to bet all the games. And again, you we want to use a rifle, not a shotgun. I don't bet more than a, a handful of games on any given Saturday anyway. This would be one to avoid, except that I just can't take my eyes off of this. And sometimes I'll make a token bet on something 
just for the sake of you know having the action. That's a that's a that's an amateur thing to do. That's not a serious handicapper stunt. But you know, I'm a human being too. I'd rather have a tiny amount on a game than nothing on it if I'm going to watch it. And everybody's going to watch this Colorado Nebraska game. This is the most fascinating football game for an early season game we've seen in first forever. Uh, I just it, it's it's got the background of all that great history from 20 25 years ago for those of us who are old enough to remember it and what Nebraska Colorado used to mean but it's also got all this painful recent history of Nebraska just losing and losing and losing all these close games lately but still losing Colorado just losing period losing in buckets you know 1 and 11 seasons and now you got new coaches both of whom have a lot to recommend them but completely different styles uh, not just the X's and O's, but the personality types, too. I mean, really different guys. Uh, it's just, it, you know, just as theater, uh, gridiron theater, it's just irresistible. Uh, I just can't wait till 9 o'clock tomorrow morning out here. I mean, this is going to really be fun. Uh, so the answer is I, I tried to find some. I did some work with totals on this. And, again, my uh, my total doesn't suggest maybe a slight under. But, again, that's that line has moved almost as much as the spread has, really. That came down, oh, I don't know, about six or seven points uh, from where it used to be, too. And that, that suggests that there's a lot of, you know, money pushing the thing low, maybe pushing it too low. I I, I, I did a teaser bet where I now have an over 53 as opposed to 59 in the game. Um, and it's a tiny bet. It's a, it's a, it's a Starbucks cup of coffee size bet just to have something on it. But I just can't, um, go very far with the side projection for, for Nebraska. Not based, well, you know, it's, uh, Nebraska last week, I, mean, I don't know how good that Minnesota team is. I don't think they're great. Yeah. The, the, it was, you know, they played well enough and probably outplayed them by a lot of measures, but still you're talking about a quarterback that even though he had a pretty good day, except for the three interceptions, average 6.0 yards per, you know, per attempt uh, versus 10.6 for, uh, for coach Sanders uh, kid at, uh, at mm-hmm. Colorado, yeah. a better TU team. Right. And I just, you know, I, it's, it's just, I, Nebraska would have to, they have to play incredible defense or they have to just show me something that they just didn't show last week. Right. So, the so the total the way you can bet uh, the 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 side bet is the total number of points scored scored in the game just to for people to understand that right so the the line what was it would you say the line the line was- is fifty nine I put it in a six point teaser which means for my case I only have to get over fifty three but I have to win another bet alongside it I see very cool that's a very that's PhD level gambling there David thank you very much. <laughs> Um, sounds like options trading, right? It's a, it's a little bit, uh, it's, it's a derivative. All right. It's a derivative. All right. Right. So, uh, well guys, this has been an incredible discussion. I, I, I hope that people listening to it are excited to watch the game at the very least. Uh, I don't know if they'll take David's advice and stay, stay away because the data is old and it's not reflective of the current environment. And, um, I find, um, I find Gam Blue's, uh, you know, analysis of the talent on the field uh, persuasive. I find uh, David's analysis of how, you know, the machines and the, the learning he takes in from such large sources of information um, not as persuasive because of its old oldness. But I can't help, and this is just a sign of my own dysfunction, guys. I can't help but believe somehow the Huskers are going to pull this out, which is just which it which is not based in reality okay the only thing i could say in their favor uh as opposed to tcu 
is that the Huskers did show me a pretty good defense last week. Uh, and they did show me they can run the ball when they want to uh, pretty well. So they can ground and pound it. Uh, if they can keep possession away from this elite uh, elite team and 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 kind of get the point totals down a bit um, and really play old school smash mouth, punch him in the teeth, Husker football. Lou knows what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, there's a famous story that was told. Um, there's many times, but I forget who's the player in Nebraska, but I, it was against a top tier team. And he said, we're going to run this play. This is the play we're going to run. Try to stop us. So that was Nebraska in its glory. And the, the offensive line was just so strong, they just run over people. The defensive line equally strong. If that Nebraska somehow really uses this motive, this, this 90% betting on Colorado, this hype around Deion Sanders, and he gets those kids with the biggest chip on their shoulder, and they start knocking people on their ass with pancake blocks, et cetera, it might, you know, Things can happen. And, and so that's kind of my non-scientific wish. But um, any final words from you, Lou, and then a final word from David? Uh, my final words are thank you for having me, uh, David. Uh, I, I love your approach. I'd love to speak with you directly. I'd like to know who some of your resources are uh, in Vegas because your information that, and your process sounds great based provided – uh, those people that you're using in Las Vegas are, uh, you know, top end players. And I know a lot of those guys are guarded with their picks. So I'd love to peel that back with you at another time. Uh, but again, nice to meet you, James. Thanks so much. Whoever and whatever you do in the game, bet or don't bet, watch it and enjoy it. What you're going to see is a perfect feeder system into the NFL. That's excellent. David? Yeah, well, again, thanks very much for setting this up and reaching out to me. Thanks for introducing us. And, Lou, we will, we will uh, uh, share uh, uh, some some stuff in the back. We'll, we'll figure out how to get the communications together. And I'd love to share some stuff going forward in the future. Uh, you might very well be the best insider I could ever have. <laughs> but also, these hit scores that my model generates, I mean, I give them out for free to anyone who wants them. I'm happy to, to, to give them to any of you guys or anybody else that reaches out. Um, they're just, they're, they're there to be shared. Um, and yeah, the only other thought I had on the, on the sort of live movements and the money flow things, and I'm not a money flow expert. I know that's, I know a lot of people have spent a lot of time watching that stuff and I really don't. And it's trying to figure out who the sharps are on and who the squares are on. And I, I, that's a very small part of what concerns me. Um, I think that the, the point that you noted the, how much money has been bid on this game early. Uh, or just coming into it, there's so much more than, than than all these other games, and more than the NFL. I'm not so sure that the that, that, that the late retail money that's going to come in between now and kickoff is going to have as much effect on the line um, as as you might think it could have, just because so much has already been bad. Interesting. That is I, I don't know that. I mean, I don't David, have a whole lot. Of, I don't David, know. I, I don't have a whole lot of examples of games like this to, to base that on. It's just a thought. David, would you agree that perhaps there'll be reluctance to move the number for fear of getting middled? Oh, sure. I mean, and that and that's true at any time. Uh, but yeah, especially this is a particularly tricky number, obviously around three. And I think that, and because there's 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 a lot of money, I don't think they're going to want. I think they're going to be very reluctant to move it. And you can find it at three. You can find it at two and a half. So it's already sort of middled right there anyway. 
yep. just you know, in the middle. But it's 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 you could bet it either way. Very cool. So the takeaway is go big red, bet Colorado. Uh, this has been the Karate Farm Report. My two guests have been uh, Gam Blue. You can reach him at, at Gam Blue on Twitter, and you can go to his site, Gam Blue. That's G A M B L O U dot com. Uh, especially if you're interested in hockey, uh, UFC, College World Series, uh, in the NFL. That's his, those are his core competencies, and I uh, highly recommend uh, Lou for that. And of course, David. David, thank you so much. Um, your Kurt son is your is your pseudonym, uh, and that's David Kurtson, C-U-R-T-S-O-N, on Twitter. Reach out to these guys. Uh, they're, they're here to help. Um, they make no promises. Obviously, this farm this farm port makes no promises, no guarantees. It's for fun, but uh, these guys are the, some of the smartest people when it comes to gambling. So, thanks, guys, for being here. Thank you so much. Thanks. This has been the Crowdy Farm Report from Omaha, Nebraska.